welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Spiritual warfare and, and how to live in the victory that Jesus has won for us. And we started off this series by, by looking at that foundation, foundational idea, foundational concept that Jesus has already won the battle and that for us who are in Christ, for us who've surrendered to Jesus and made Him Lord and King over us, we fight from this position. It it doesn't mean that there isn't still a battle uh, in the day-to-day, but it means that we've chosen the winning side. We already know the outcome, the outcome is a given and we fight from a position of strength and confidence in knowing that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, that ultimately Jesus will win. Ultimately, Jesus will be victorious in my life, and ultimately, Jesus will be victorious in your life. And so that's a a fantastic position to start from. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, in our last message, we looked at getting dressed for battle, and we talked about uh, the armour of God that uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, I want to come back to one of them this morning, and that is the, the we talked about the helmet of salvation, and I, I uh, told you that I was going to come back and talk about this a little bit more, for those of you who remember, because this is a really important concept for us to grasp, the, the battlefield of our mind, because this is one of the key areas where the enemy will bring struggles, will bring battles, will, will bring warfare to our life every day. And so we need to be aware of this. Uh, we need to be switched on, we need to be understanding, we need to have knowledge, we don't need to be fearful because we come from that position of victory, but we need to be wise uh, about what kind of influence the enemy has in our life. And so I want to talk about this, this whole concept of, of our thought life, our mind, uh, and the battle that takes place in our mind on a day-to-day basis this morning. But first, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray this morning that your word will speak to us, Lord, that it will speak truth and life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, help my words to come out, that you would help me to speak uh, what you've put on my heart today clearly and concisely to communicate. But Holy Spirit, I pray even more than that, that you would be speaking into people's hearts. Lord, that the words that they received this morning would be from you and not from me. Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be our teacher and you would bring revelation to us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. So this morning, there's kind of like three kind of key uh, truths that I want to share with you that are around this area of the battle of our minds. And then I'm going to give you three kind of strategies uh, or, or tips or things that can help us in, in waging this kind of battle for our minds. But the, the, I, I guess the reason or part of the reason that this is so important is that uh, you may have noticed it, uh, you may not have noticed it, I don't know if you um, have thought about this very much in the past, but our life is often a direct result of our thinking. Our life is actually the, the fruit, it's the outworking, it's what grows uh, what, what, out of our, our thought life. And your mind is the battlefield and the enemy knows this and this is why so much of the attack that he brings against you is not circumstances. So much of the attack that he brings against you is not necessarily other people, but it's what goes on in here. 
And this is what trips us up. If we could keep this under control, if we could keep this surrendered to Jesus, if we could keep our thoughts pure, if we could keep our thoughts holy, if we could keep our thoughts on Jesus, the other stuff wouldn't matter too much to us, would it? And so this is a really important area, this is a really important battlefield, because if you can change your thinking, you change your life. You can't have a negative mind or negative thought life and a positive life. Have you noticed that? You can't have a a lustful mind and live a pure life. You can't have a prideful mind or prideful thoughts continuously a pattern, not necessarily talking about the things that pop in here and there, We, we all wrestle with that from time to time, but if you have a consistently prideful uh, thought pattern, you will not live a life of humility. Your life follows your thought patterns. Your mind is the battlefield. Jesus talked about uh, this in a lot of different ways. One of the things that that, um, I I was reminded of, I was thinking about this sort of uh, idea uh, of our life following our thought pattern is when Jesus talked about uh, the, some of the Ten Commandments, you remember, and some of the, when he was giving his Sermon on the Mount and he started talking about things like murder. And he says, you've heard it say, said, don't, don't commit murder. But Jesus says, I tell you um, that even the person who is angry with his brother or sister is already under judgment. He kind of equates those two things and basically says, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you act on it or not, if you've committed murder in your heart, if your thought life is anger uh, uh, towards a brother or a sister, you, it's kind of, that's, that's, the, that's the foundation, that's the, the root. It's like if, if, if sin was a plant that you're allowed to grow like these roots that take down um, like that. He, he says adultery. They, they knew that the Ten Commandments says don't commit adultery and Jesus takes it and he says it's about your thought life. It's about your desires. He says, if you look lustfully uh, at a woman or another person, um, let's not be too gender specific, um, <laughs> applies, applies to you ladies as well. <laughs> uh, if you look at another person with lustful thoughts, with lustful desires, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He says, your thought life determines your life. And even if you kind of resist that temptation, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 14, um, he talks about this idea, he says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. He's talking about temptation. He's saying when we face temptation, a desire gives birth to temptation or causes us to, to get in that area of temptation, then temptation leads to sin. And so often, it, it, the, when our outward sin, our outward life is a reflection of what we've allowed, what we've permitted our thoughts to dwell on and to rest on. Even, this, even the whole idea of repentance, when we talk about our, our salvation and repentance that leads to salvation, repentance is, about, uh, is a word that literally means to change your mind, to change your way of thinking. You go, I, I used to think this, um, but now I realise that that was wrong and I'm changing my attitude about that to this. And it kind of means I, I've turned around, I've had a change of, of heart, I don't think about things the same way anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes about spiritual warfare and he says, the weapons that we fight with 
are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, if you're not sure, pretension is not a word that we use very commonly. Some of you might know it, but it's really a word. I, I looked this up, all right? For those of you who are not sure, um, listen to this. Pretension is when you try to impress other people with how important or clever you are. Pretension is when you make an outward show of dignity or importance, especially when it's exaggerated or undeserved. Okay, that's the dictionary, that's not me, just in case. No. <laughs> so, so this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying that these are the kinds of things that our spiritual weapons that God has given us are, are useful for. These are the kind of things that we're breaking down both in us and in others. Now, that you might recognize some of these things. It's easy for us to go, well, yes, the, you know, this is a powerful weapon and, and sometimes, you know, we're trying to, you know, witness or share the gospel with somebody and they're just, they're just prideful and, and they're full of this and full of that and they've got all these arguments and, and the, the weapons that God has given us can break that down and, you know, and, and, and demolish those strongholds in people's lives and that's fantastic. But it also kind of works with us too, isn't it? How many times are there arguments and thoughts uh, and, and prideful kind of boastings of our own self or, you know, kinds of things that set, it, set us up, maybe not against um, the message of salvation or the gospel, but against what God's wanting to say and speak into our life. And God says something and we say, oh yeah, but... <laughs> and these arguments kind of come in. And so we need these, these spiritual weapons to, to break down those, those arguments, the, the deceit and the lies that Satan tries to use to steal away, to take away, to confuse, to block the things that God is wanting to speak to us. So to understand and to fight well in the area of the battlefield of our mind, I want to share three, uh, three truths about this this morning. Number one, Believing lies leads us into slavery. Believing the lies of the enemy will lead us into patterns of thought, into patterns of behavior that hold us captive and stop us from being able to move forward in our relationship with God, from being able to let go of hurts of the past and forgive, from being able to walk in the kind of victory that Jesus wants us to walk in. Jesus talks, he's talking about the enemy, this is when he's having this big uh, stoush with the, the Pharisees and they're like, we're Abraham's children and Jesus, he's really harsh with them, he's like, uh-uh, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be believing what God says and what I say because Abraham believed me. Says your father is the devil. <laughs> we're like, whoa! What are you? Uh? So, and he, and he says this of, of the devil. He says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Is, isn't that a great picture? How many of you here English is not your first language? 
Okay, so when you think about things, now this may depend, I don't know, I'm, I'm a native English speaker and I'm an only English speaker, um, <laughs> so I don't have this trouble, but how many of you, if your, language, your, your first language was something other than English, how many of you think in that language? Used to? Some, so it changes a little bit, but there was probably a time when some of you are not sure and you're just putting up your hand because you, you're still trying to wrap your head around what I mean. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's like if you're just thinking to yourself, you, so you, you think to yourself in, in, in your first language and then it's a little like mentally you translate it into English. Does that make sense? Some, sometimes? Maybe? Yeah, 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 some of you are nodding. That's okay. We won't press too hard. But there's this, this thing where it's like a, a native language is kind of like our, our default. When we're not concentrating, when we're not paying attention to what we're doing, it's kind of like that's what comes out first, whether it's internally or, or externally. Our native language is, is our go-to when we're trying to understand something. When we don't know the word, we think about it in, the, in that language. And, and Jesus is saying that Satan's native language, what he defaults to, what he reverts to, what comes out of his mouth every time it opens, is lies. He's the inventor of lies, he's the father of lies, uh, and he brought lies and deception and untruth uh, into the world. And a lot of, um, you know, uh, and, and all of his forces are experts in this, uh, expert whisperers of lies. And they deceive and they tell half-truths. You remember when, uh, when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness and it was kind of like he'd, he'd throw in half-truth. And so often, doesn't that happen to us? We get this kind of half-truth, but it gets just a little bit twisted at the end and we end up getting off track and we end up swallowing that and believing that um, until we, we work out what's really going on and where we actually missed it. And a lot of... Uh, a lot of what we could look at in our life, a lot of the sin in our life, a lot of the areas where we've gotten away from God's best for us, we could, we could trace back and point back to a time when we believed something that wasn't true. When we believed a lie. Ultimately, I, I think that pr pretty much all sin can kind of be traced back to something that was uh, said that was untrue. I mean, tra right back to, you know, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when, when uh, you know, the Satan came in the form of that serpent and sort of deceived them with that half-truth. Didn't God say? You know. Most of the time when, when we sin, it's because we believed something false that came directly or indirectly from Satan's influence. Now, not every time... Um, we believe something that's untrue, it's like, you know, the, the devil himself sort of sitting there or, you know, on our shoulder, if you like, in the cartoons or, <laughs> you know, um, uh, whispering directly into our ear. Sometimes it's, um, uh, that, that, that I think there are three main sources of, of lies and untruths that come into our life. The first is from ourselves, from our own uh, unregenerated, sinful human nature. Sometimes we call that uh, our, our flesh. We tell ourselves 
all sorts of untruths at times, don't we? We don't really need a whole lot of help from the devil sometimes. We're pretty good at it. Our, our weaknesses, our insecurities, our, our background, the times that we've been hurt, our experiences, um, the, the successes, the failures, all of those things can become things that speak into our minds and speak into our thought patterns. Secondly, uh, a source of, of lies and untruth can be the culture that we live in. We certainly live in a culture today that wants us to believe things that are untrue, things that are contrary to God's Word. And we don't have to look too far, I'm sure I don't have to convince you of the reality of that, but we need to be aware of what some of those things are. And if we don't know what God's Word says, if we aren't prepared to, to combat those lies with the truth, then we're more than likely going to believe them. Because the best lies always sound really convincing always sound very well uh, thought out, always seem very logical, always seem very rational, don't they? <laughs> and and the thirdly, the source of lies is uh, the spiritual influence. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, the, the unseen world that is around us. And we don't have to be afraid, but we need to be aware of the potential for that unseen world, demonic forces, whatever you want to call it, demons, uh, the potential for those things to influence our thought life. I, I would be reasonably confident in saying that probably most of us have at least some areas in our life where we believe things that aren't true and possibly and, and probably still believe things that are at least not 100% true. I know there are still things that, that I wrestle with there are still things and I'm, I'm going through something or I'm, you know, I'm wrestling with something or I'm feeling terrible or you know, whatever the case might be and I'm like, where is this coming from? Why, why, <laughs> why, why do I believe this? Some of the things, let me give you some examples, some of the things uh, that we commonly believe that are lies. Number one, I can't do anything right. Who's ever thought that? Had a bad day, messed up, oh, can't do anything right. Everything I do fails. <laughs> Or, or maybe the opposite, like, I can do it on my own, I don't need God, I'm just fine, thank you very much, I can make my own decisions, <laughs> I'll be right. How about this one, I'm not good enough. God wouldn't want me, God wouldn't want to talk to me, God wouldn't want me in His family, that person uh, doesn't want to be my friend, I'm not good enough, uh, I can stop whenever I want. Sometimes that's a lie that we tell ourselves, isn't it? God doesn't know what I've been through. God couldn't love me if He knows what I've done. I have to look out for myself because nobody else will. Maybe this is a lie. I don't want God in my life. I know people that are telling themselves that lie every day. I don't want God in my life. I don't need God in my life. I'm quite happy without Him. Maybe they've convinced themselves that that's true, but it's a lie. I'll never have enough. Have you ever felt that? Has that, has that ever sort of been in your, I'll, I'll never have enough? And, and some, for some of you, that drives you to work so hard and work long hours and, and to, to, to bust your gut because you're always trying to feel like you've got enough but it, you never kind of get there. 
You always feel like you're always going to be struggling. You're always going to be, it's always going to be a, a struggle at the end of the fortnight to make ends meet. You feel like you'll never have enough. Maybe the lie you've believed is that you'll never be enough. Maybe the lie that you've believed is that you'll never find real happiness. You'll never find peace. There are all kinds of lies that we tell ourselves. God will forgive me anyway, so it doesn't matter what I do. Heard that one a few times. I'll give God Sunday morning, but then the rest of the week is mine. <laughs> there are all kinds of things, aren't there? I'm sure we could go on and on like this all day. There are all sorts of lies that come both from, from our own minds, uh, from, from the culture that devalues life, um, and, uh, and, and, and all sorts of things and, and lies from the enemy. But I want to I challenge you to start questioning some of those things. Start thinking about, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to identify and to understand and to recognize some of those things that maybe you've believed for a long time. Some of those things that have almost become a part of your identity and God wants to say to you this morning, it's a lie and I want to set you free from that lie. Because here's number two. Discovering God's truth sets us free. Now I'm not talking about an emotional kind of moment or response that we might have with God, whether it's that, that moment when we first received salvation or, you know, um, that, and we had this little emotional experience. I'm not talking about uh, a lovely time when we, you know, had Him worship. You know, those are not the things that set us free. Those, those might be kind of related to or, or part of, you know, we might have an emotional moment, you know, or a moment of... <laughs> When, when we discover God's truth, sometimes that leads to an emotional response. But the emotional response is not what set us free, it was God's truth that set us free. Because the, the, the antidote for the lies of the enemy and the lies of uh, our culture and the lies of our own mind and experience is truth. And when we discover that truth and when we discover the power of that truth, it begins to break the power of the lie over us. Jesus said in John chapter 8, said, says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, that's you guys, yeah? says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's truth is a powerful weapon in our hands, both in our own lives and in the lives of people around us. The gospel itself, the Bible talks about the gospel being something that um, is, is almost like it is hidden and is hard for people in our world to, who, who don't know God, it's, it's hard for them to understand. It was about them like having veils over their faces. It says, uh, it, it's almost like he talks about it being a, a stumbling block to to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles and, uh, and it kind of, in, in so many ways, if, if we're trying to understand it intellectually, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But there's, there's power in it. And when we choose to embrace the truth 
of the gospel and God's grace by faith, then suddenly it, it changes everything. And there's this, this dimension um, of God's truth that we can only receive by faith, isn't there? We're set free from those lies of the enemy that tell us that we're not good enough, that God will never love us, that, that God could never forgive the things that we've done when we understand and discover the truth that God says that He loves us, that He created us, that He's calling us. We're set free when we understand the, the power of the cross this message that our sin has been forgiven, all our shame has been taken away and replaced with righteousness. We're set free when we discover the truth about God's power at, at, at work in our life and what God says about, how, about what it means to have all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling within us. When we discover that truth, about what it means to have the Holy Spirit living in us and giving us wisdom and working through us in power and might, there, there becomes, you know, that lie that says, I can't do it, that lie that says, I'll never be enough, is broken when we understand and we grab hold and we receive and have that revelation of that truth of what it means to have God living in us. We're set free when we know our destination. We're set free when we find our worth and our identity in Christ. God's truth is the affirmation, is the confirmation, is the weapon that we need to break the power of the lies of the enemy. Number three, renewing our minds leads us into God's good plan. Most of you will probably, or many of you would be familiar with this verse, from Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you needed any other evidence about the importance of the battlefield of your mind, here it is right here. If you change the way you think or allow God to change the way you think, he will it'll transform you into a new person. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's almost like this sense in which we can't actually know God's plan for us, which is an amazing plan, is a perfect plan, and when God says something is good, we know it's good, don't we? God doesn't do good in half measure. <laughs> when God says something is good, it is awesome. And God's plan for you, he, he declares is good. And He says, but you can only know it if you allow God to transform you and change the way that you think. Transformed from what? I once used to be into what God intends for me to be. Transformed from the person that you used to be 
into the person that He has called you to be and created you to be that reflects the image of Christ. And it's all about this replacing lies and deception with the truth of God's Word. All right, so that's the three things. Three ways, now I'm going to give you three kind of strategies we're going to do them fairly quickly. Um, strategy number one, follow the example of Jesus. Kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? Um, some, of the, some of the things that we, when we talk about this, when we look at this, we we'll often kind of think, well, you know, does that mean I've got to grow a beard? Sorry, ladies, bad luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got to wear sandals, got to walk around Israel, got to have 12 people following me at least and maybe some more after that. Um, no, no, no. We, we, we look, when we're talking about this battlefield of our mind, we've got to think, you know the old saying, what would Jesus do? Uh, it w- it's, it's been pretty popular, it's had little surges and resurgence. And it's not a bad question to ask ourselves, but often by the time we get to this point of action, it's almost too late, isn't it? We talk Because we've already uh, often... Our, our thought life has already led us into a particular course of action. So maybe a, maybe a better question would be, how would Jesus think in this situation? How would Jesus think about um, what I'm facing right now? How would Jesus think about what's going on in, in this particular area of my life? If you want to live the life God wants you to live, you have to think the kinds of thoughts that God thinks. We'd have the kind of thoughts, um, and, and Jesus talked about this again and again and again. I mean, you, you read the Gospels, read the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 and 6 through that, that Sermon on the Mount. There's all this kind of stuff that relates to our attitudes, it relates to our heart, relates to our thought life, uh, 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 over and above just talking about our actions. He talks about our, our thought life, the way that we think shapes our life. You can't have a, a happy life um, if you've got discouraging and negative thoughts all the time. If, if that's a consistent pattern for you, you can't have uh, a holy life if your thought life is, is full of things that are unholy and impure. You will not have a positive life if your thought life is critical. If you're always thinking negative and critical thoughts, you also won't, you, know, you won't have great relationships with other people if you're always thinking the worst about them. When we look at the life of Jesus, uh, he was a person who, who, who often assumed the best about people. Like he, he accepted people, he loved people, he welcomed people, he didn't make sort of, you know, judgments about people before getting to know them. You know, there, were, there was kind of the, these thoughts, that, you know, he talked about things like loving your enemies. You know, he says, pray for them, bless them. You can't do that when you're angry with them. <laughs> you can't do that when your heart is, your, and your thoughts are full of hate and, and bitterness and envy. To be able to do those kinds of things, there first has to be a, a transformation in, in what, we, what we're thinking about, doesn't there? All right, so, so look at the life of Jesus. Follow His example. Number two, fill your mind with better thoughts. Our brains are wired to think about stuff and just going, don't think about the negative stuff, doesn't necessarily work too well. It's almost like if I said to you, quick, don't think about cats. (laughs) All right? Um, What's the first thing that pops into your head? 
You're all thinking about cats, aren't you? I told you not to think about cats. What are you doing? (laughs) You're still thinking about cats. Stop thinking about cats. Stop thinking about cats. But but it's almost like if if we kind of we we take something out, our brain goes, now what? And we've got to put something positive in there um, to replace what we're taking out. We can't just leave a vacuum because our brain says, I've got to think about stuff. It's really important for me to think about stuff. How, how many of you know it? You, you work hard and you're exhausted at the end of the day and you lie down in your, your bed and your brain goes, awesome, now I've got time to think about stuff <laughs> for the next two hours. But this is what... Um, uh, Kerry uh, shared this uh, a couple of weeks ago um, uh, and a verse that we, we, we love, at Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It's a little bit like sometimes... Um, kind of the, the things that we put into are often the things that, that fill our minds. Now, I don't know about you, but when this kind of uh, all the COVID stuff first hit, there was like just this media storm, this media frenzy, wasn't there? And it was like almost like 24-7 on like 16 channels and you couldn't escape it if the TV was on. And, and some of us kind of got into that, you know, and, and COVID or not COVID or other stuff, we spend too much time you know, watching news media and news programs from whatever channel, what do we get? Tragedy, terrorism, death, violence, negative, and an occasional story about a cute kitten being rescued from a drain. <laughs> yeah, that's right, don't think about cats. You know, now this doesn't mean that we just kind of turn a blind eye and we stick our head in the sand to everything that's going on around in the world uh, around us. It, it, it's a good thing to be informed. God wants us to be a, a, a praying people and we need to be praying for our community, we need to be praying for our nation, we need to be praying about stuff, we need to be aware of our, our obligations and responsibilities um, and so we try to keep up to date. But we just don't need to focus on them to an unhealthy degree. Don't focus on them to the point where it begins to consume your thoughts, where it begins to create a picture in your mind of how terrible the world is and how we're all doomed and everything is negative all the time because it's not accurate. It's just what you've been consuming. Think about stuff that is positive. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't watch your favourite show ever again on TV or whatever or... You know, there are some things that... Now, there are some things that I would say are probably better for us to just avoid altogether. All right? There's some stuff that we should just don't go there. It's bad for you. It's not good. Avoid it. There are some things that are like... They're just okay in moderation. They're not necessarily positive or uplifting, but, you know, a bit here and there, it's not going to... It's not going to end your life or destroy you or, or wreck your faith. But there are some things that, that build us up. There are some things that, that put God's Word into us. There are some things that help us to grow. We need to be mindful of what we're consuming, what we're taking in, what we're, what we're dwelling on, what we're focusing on, what's filling our minds. So look at Jesus 
Uh, fill your mind with better thoughts. And number three, practice making better decisions. Sometimes we just kind of have to, you know, as, as we look at the life of Jesus and as we allow the truth of His Word, as we're getting in and thinking, you know, how would Jesus view this situation? What would He think? As we begin to, to focus on Him and put things into our life that build us up, then, then some of our decision-making is going to start to flow out of those choices and out of those positive things uh, from God's Word that we're, we're putting into our life. And sometimes, you know, we get, we get overwhelmed by stuff, don't we? We get overwhelmed and think, well, there's no way that I'm going to get every decision right. So is it worth trying? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> every decision that you make that comes out of, you know, even if you get one right and then you get six wrong after that, at least you got one right. You know, focus on the next decision that you've got to make start making uh, decisions that are based on that truth of God's word start making decisions that kind of uh, begin to reflect the truth of God's word that you're starting to feed into your mind and put into your mind and as we do that our decisions will start to look like the things that fill our mind our decisions start to reflect what it is that we're meditating on and focusing on and thinking about what is the next right step for you? What is the next right decision? I want to challenge you and encourage you. What is that? Is, is that making a decision to, to, to trust Jesus? Is that making a decision? Maybe, maybe I know there's a, some of our kids have been talking about getting baptized. Maybe that's the next right decision for them. Maybe it's uh, an unhealthy relationship or maybe it's uh, breaking out of that unwise habit or pathway or addiction. Make a choice today. Start asking God to help you to make the next right choice for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us in all of this. Lord, sometimes it, it seems hard, it seems difficult, it seems overwhelming and it seems too big for us. But Lord, we thank you that your grace extends to us. Lord, that you empower us and you fill us through your Spirit. Father, we, we, we sang in that song this morning, we sang, uh, filled with your power for your glory. And Lord, I pray that as your people that you would help us to be filled with that power, to make the, the, the choices about what we're uh, filling our minds with. Lord, for those here this morning that have been living in captivity, in slavery to the lies of the enemy, Lord, I pray that you would help them to receive that freedom that you have paid, to break free, to, to, to grab hold of the truth that your word says, to believe the truth and not the lie any longer. Lord, it can be, can be difficult. But sometimes the, the lies have been part of our life for many, many years. But Lord, we thank you for the power of your spirit, the power of the truth of your word that breaks every chain, breaks every lie breaks everything that holds us captive and keeps us slaves to the enemy. 
Father, I pray right now for freedom. Freedom from the lies. Lord, help us to walk in that victory in the area of the battlefield of our mind. Help us to focus on your word, to take in your truth, to meditate on those things that will help us to grow and help us to be more like Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.